Welcome to the Encounters Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Dopp, and on each episode, you will hear powerful stories of one-on-one evangelization, brought to you as a collaboration between Mission of the Redeemer Ministries and Genesis Mission, the Encounters Podcast will encourage you in the Catholic faith, inspire you as a missionary disciple, and equip you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with the world. Welcome back, Michelle. It's great to have you for another episode of the Encounters Podcast. So why don't you uh, dig right in and tell us a little bit about an encounter that you have had recently. This encounter, I was out in the afternoon and I was just sitting on the waterfront there looking at the view. It's just fantastic where we live here in Plymouth. And uh, there's a guy sitting next to me on the bench. So I'd prayed before I went out that uh, I might be able to get into a conversation with somebody. So it was just like a regular commenting on the view and the weather and this kind of thing. And then the uh, conversation moved quite quickly into COVID because that's really topical still. And the guy started to tell me how he was really disappointed because he'd wanted to travel and you know his whole life was about traveling the world and it's something he really enjoyed and he felt like that that was all closed down and not available to him anymore to be able to go traveling and stuff and this quite surprised me because actually the restrictions were are starting to lift quite dramatically so I, I you know I, I sympathized with that but he he carried on and he was talking about how Covid was so dreadful and um, you know it was terrible the way people were jumping away from each other and no one really talked to each other anymore and you know and I'm thinking well this situation has kind of passed you know he's talking about masking and all this that, and the other and I'm thinking well, there's not so many people wearing masks now. There were a lot of people, but, you know, with the restrictions lifting and that is, is certainly not what it was. Anyway, he seems sort of fixed on this subject and uh, I have come across this before. And so as he's talking, I was praying for him, praying, praying to the Holy Spirit to kind of, because I didn't want to affirm him in this because I knew I, I could see it had a kind of a bit of a hold on him, this subject, which has happened, hasn't it, to a lot of people. And so I tried to change the subject a couple of times, but he kept coming back to the COVID thing. In the end, I, I said to him, you know, um, I'm going to call him Mike. I said, uh, I said, Michael, you talked a lot about COVID, I said, and it has had a terrible effect on people. You've got to remember that for months and months, they were bombarded with images of people dropping dead in the streets and get grave diggers digging out graves. And I said, and fear has a terrible effect on people. And and so, you know, you've got to have some kind of compassion, really, that people are reacting the way they are. I said, but, you know, we're kind of getting through it now. And it's, oh, yeah, but he said, it's going to have a lasting legacy and all this. And I, at this point, I said, do you believe in God? Well, he said, you know, I, I sort of believe in something, and but I'm not sure. I said, uh, well, look, I said, I'm a person of faith. This, this allows me not to be controlled by fear, you know, and this fear that has got a grip of people has had this weird effect. I said, it says in the Bible that we should not be afraid. It's the most repeated phrase in the Bible. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Have no fear. Unfortunately, <laughs> I said, where God tells us not to be afraid, where we've moved away from God, I said, fear has crept in. And so people have fear at the center of their lives now instead of God. 
and that that creates chaos inside a person. I said, but as a person of faith, I don't get pulled into that really. I've got compassion for the fear that people uh, are living with, and I understand it completely. But I, it doesn't it doesn't affect me in that same way. I said, and he said, oh yeah, no, it doesn't affect me either. And I said, well, are you sure about that? Because you know you, you, you've talked about it an awful lot. He goes, hmm like that and then he said why do you think it is why is why have things changed so much you know in terms of this fear thing and the way people are and I said well you know if you look back I said uh, you know back back in the day I said it was we, we led a very simple life really you know in a way boy met girl boy and girl fell in love uh, and and uh, they would get married they'd have a family I said and then on a Sunday the family would go to church and whenever you looked up uh, you could see that the church was the tallest building in the town or the village and people knew that 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 that's where they went I said and there was kind of an order and a structure to to the way we behave and that gives people security and, and, and we seek that kind of habitual behaviour because it brings order and calm into our lives. I said, and as God has been shoved out of society, and uh, I said, uh, the, the chaos has moved in. I said, you know, it's very clear in the book of Genesis where it say, uh, it's the first book of the Bible where the spirit of God hovered over the formless void and created the heavens and the earth and it basically brought order into the chaos. And now we're seeing chaos because God is being pushed out. And, you know, people went to church weekly and it started their week right. It put things in order and the family unit was contained in that. That was a good family time. And when they went to church, it was like stepping into the place where their soul was taken care of, their spiritual needs were taken care of, they left all their stuff behind and they spent that time together in church and they had a family day afterwards. And I said, you can see now that that's gone. Everything's in chaos. The family unit has broken down. I said, it's got to the point where people don't even know if they're male or female anymore, you see. And so we talked about this for quite a while and it was, uh, and he was in agreement with all this. And I said, have you ever thought about going to church? He said, oh, I don't like control of any kind like that. And I thought, oh, well, that, that kind of makes sense because he thought, well, coming from him, because he'd already talked about, you know, COVID and the control that the government has over us all and all this. Anyway. And I said, but, you know, there's certain forms of control, if you like, want to put it that way, or rules that actually create that order and keep us and give us that sense of, you know, calm and, and, and knowing what we should be and where we should be and when we should be. And actually, it's not such a bad thing. So we were talking about that for a while and he seemed in agreement that, with that. And then he said to me, so who is God then? I know you, you, it's the, the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost, isn't it? And I said, yeah, that, you, I said, you've got that right. I said, and the thing is, I said, God is real and he is a person. God is personal. He wants to connect with our lives. He loves us so much that he came in the person of Jesus in order to save us from this chaos to put this order into our lives I said and over and over again we get it wrong and we mess up and we're we you know we're filled with guilt and shame and we feel this chaos in our person and it gives us a really tough time and and we struggle with it all the time and he come he came to save us from that but you know we think we're too clever and we don't need God and so here we are you know in this in this place I said 
And so I said, you know, and then so Jesus, then he died on the cross to save us from our sin. I said, and he brings heaven to earth together in his person. Ah, he said, and we, he listened to that for a while. And then we sat there in a bit of quiet. And I said to him, so tell me something about your life. I said, well, tell me some of the most important things that have happened in your life, you know, because we'd been chatting a while now. And he goes, well, he said, uh, actually, he said, I was in this really bad relationship. I really shouldn't have stayed in it as long as I did. It was really toxic, he said. And But I kept going back. I kept going back. And I said, we think we can change things and that's why we keep going back. And he said, no, 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 that's not why I kept going back. And it, he, he said, and actually in the end she died. And I said, wow, how did she die? And he said, well, it was a drug overdose. And, we, and I knew in that silence and I, and I said to him, and did you contribute to that? You know, were you doing drugs with her? And he went, yeah, I was. He said, and I just, I, I can't get it out of my head and I can't, I can't let it go. I feel like, you know, I've got to feel like I'm carrying some responsibility for this. And I said to him, you know, it's not for me to judge what, what you know, went on in your heart. I said, but you know, you know, you know what went on in your heart. He said, there's something else. I said, well, I said, what? He said, he said, shortly after she died, he said, my mother took very sick and my mother um, she's elderly but she was a great woman you know she had such spirit and she was uh, very much alive even though you know she was she was suffering and uh, and I loved her very much and I gave up my job and I moved to take care of her I moved into her flat and she was okay but you know she was suffering physically but she was always very cheerful and she, she was lovely to be around. She, she was my mum. Uh, and he, and he, was he said that um, it, was, it was horrible to witness her suffering physically like that. And he said he used to lie in his room next door and you would hear her labouring for breath. And, you know, he could tell that she was in quite a lot of pain. And he said, and he said again, the situation went on and on and on and kept saying it went on and on and on. And I knew, and I was alerted to that, you know, I knew there was something more in that. And I'm praying for him at this point because I knew he was going to tell me something major. And he said that, uh, he said the doctor would come and he would get, was giving her medication and stuff. And then he said that one day the doctor came and he, he said to me, look, I've got something here that will really help your mum's pain. He said, I can give it to her if you like. And we looked, he said, something passed between us, me and the doctor. He said, and I knew then that if he gave her this drug, she was going to die. And I hesitated, he said, but I said, okay. And he gave her the drug and shortly afterwards she passed away. He said, and I, I don't honestly know whether I did that for my mum or for myself because... The situation had been going on so long and I I think maybe I wanted my life back and it haunts me and so you know I said oh my goodness you know I said Mike you know they're, they're horrendous things for you to have to carry with you I said and uh, I said it's not I can't I would never I wouldn't even think to to make any kind of judgment on your heart I said but you know you could have done this for the noble reasons that you suggest or, you, you know, you, you've done it for selfish reasons, but we're human and we're, we are, you know, we are flawed, as we talked about before. And I said, but the important thing is that there is a way through this, I said. 
And I said, forgiveness is a free gift for you if you are, have, if you're really contrite in your heart about it. I said, now I'm going to make a proposal to you. You have, you have a choice here because your life can continue as it is. You can carry that burden forever. And this part, that pathway will lead to hopelessness, to despair. Your life will spiral downwards even further. I said, I don't know if you're still doing drugs now, but I know it could be a possibility. I said, or you can take the other path. And the other path is going to lead to truth, to hope, to forgiveness and to freedom and to a relationship with a God who loves you so much and only wants the better thing for you. I said, so here's your choice. I said, it's Saturday. Tomorrow morning at 12 o'clock, there's a, there's a service at the church over there. I said, now, you can get up in the morning and walk to that church. And that will be your first step down the path towards the light. Or you can stay on the path where you are into darkness. I said, and I, I can't, there's nothing more I can do than to tell you that. But I know that God will transform your life if you choose, if you choose that path. I said, you can choose it tomorrow or you can choose it in a month's time. But why wait? Why not do that? And then I asked him if we could pray together. And he said, yes. And we prayed together. I prayed with him. He didn't say anything at that point. But he uh, then asked me, he said, how can I pray at home? How can I pray? And so, I, you know, I made some suggestions to him. I said, you know, the Our Father as well, because that's the one that most people know. And he said, yes, I do. I said, well, that's the one that Jesus asked us to pray. And, uh, you know, and then at that point we parted company and I reassured him again that forgiveness is just waiting for him and he doesn't need to carry all that for the rest of his life. So, Do you often hear confessions when you go and sit and look at the... <laughs> I actually do, honestly. Uh, not 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 obviously not an official in a, in a, well obviously not but people are carrying around so much and I think just with a, a good deep meaningful conversation and obviously I've there was a lot that led up to that we were actually sitting there for almost two hours chatting before we actually got to that um, but uh, you know I think when people are carrying stuff and it's a re honest, it's a, it's a release for them to be able to unburden themselves I think. The one thing that caught me in that story, Michelle, was when he was telling about the overdose of his girlfriend. And then I think our natural human tendency is to want to just reassure them and, you know, give them our sympathies. But you actually kind of offered something really challenging. You said, you know, do you kind of feel responsible? You, you gave him an opportunity to take responsibility for it, which... Yeah, uh, yeah. To me, that seemed to really open up the whole conversation, didn't it? I think that's so important. We, uh, it's something we teach in, in the Genesis sessions is that to be aware, have a, a hypersensitivity to the promptings of the spirit. And yet Father John always says, if a question comes into your heart, you must ask it because that will be the one that opens up the situation, you know, opens up or gives or uh, is it like the invitation to to speak and what I've learned in my experience of this is that well, if you, when you ask that question if they don't want to answer it they just answer a question that you haven't actually asked so there's no awkwardness they just talk about something else and you know then you respect that and so you don't you know you wouldn't pursue that but you keep praying and for for the opportunity because you kind of you know that there's something more going on below the surface that needs to 
that will be helpful for them to talk about. So, but obviously it has to be when they're ready. So, but it is important, isn't it? Because we, you know, we speak about, we want to reveal a person's heart to themselves so that they can see what needs healing and what needs help and how the message of the gospel that we give them can do that for them. You know, the message of Jesus and his all-consuming love for them can give them that healing. But it has to come into the light, you know, to, to, for, that, for that to happen. So what was so. the fundamental revelation, do you think, to himself? What did he realize through the conversation that he didn't know beforehand? Well, you know, I can only surmise about that, but I imagine that there was a tremendous relief in his heart of having acknowledged it, for one thing, and to know that there was a path forward, whether he chooses to take it or not, but I hope those words will stay with him. And what would be the revelation? Perhaps that it's not okay that you carry that with you and that that's not going to help you or anybody else in any, anything else you do in your life. So maybe that was the revelation. What would you think, Michael? What do you think would be the revelation? Or perhaps that he could be forgiven. Sometimes people don't believe that there's a way for God or for others to forgive them. I was just thinking how, you know, all joking aside about you hearing confessions, but it's amazing that when Christ gave us the sacraments, they're just so practical in a certain sense. So you think of confession and, you know, the the superficial critique of Catholics is, why do I have to go confess my sins to a priest? Part of it is because, well, that's the way that Jesus set it up, and that's the way the church has offered it to us. But it's also because it's so good for us. It's good for us to get it out of ourselves, to actually say the words, to not just think them through and ruminate over them. And yes, we can ask Jesus for forgiveness in our heart, but the humility that it takes and to see a response of love and mercy from the other person is an image or even an icon of the love and mercy that God has. You didn't get up and start braiding him and telling him what an awful person he was. You you heard it, you challenged him, you but you responded with mercy and the opportunity for forgiveness. And he knows you as a Christian. And I think that communicates that God, even more so, will do the same. And so it's so wise for the church to have us actually speak out these things that otherwise just remain hidden in some recess of our heart. So it's just wonderful, Michelle, that, that you've given this man an opportunity to do that. That seems to me like the very first step that he needs to take. Please God. Yeah, absolutely. And praise God for, for the opportunity. It's, it's horrible to think that people carry around that stuff, isn't it? It really is. It's a horrible to think that a person is burdened in that way. And I'm certain it plays itself out in their lives, you know, in their relationships in some way. You can bury sin, if you like, but you never get, you're not going to, you're not going to lose it. It's going to affect your life and you add to the, the dung heap of sin in the world instead of trying to playing your part to in the purification of, of the world and being a light bearer for others. So, you know, and it's a hard old, tough old journey for all of us, isn't it? But um, to keep that awareness and to know that the better way for somebody is to be able to acknowledge it is, is what, I guess it's love, isn't it, that drives you on to that. It has to be. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Well, one of the things that I learned from this, well, I learned two things I want to point out. Number one is patience. You said that you wait, it was two hours of 
icebreaking of getting to know each other, of being comfortable mm-hmm. with each other. These sorts of conversations can take time. I mean, some people, if it's something that they haven't shared, something, you know, as serious as what he has done, we only really will share that with someone when we build a bit of trust. And so we don't always have two hours to sit on a bench and listen to people. But sometimes we need to take that time. I think, Michael, when you first start out having encounters, when you, you know, when you're testing your legs, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and which you have to, I mean, you have to build up, you have to learn these new, a new habit of, of being attentive to what's going on around you and who's there and what and, and how to open conversation and how to go deeper with on, in conversation, all those kind of things, which we've, we've actually developed workshops around. You, you're kind of, uh, you're so nervous in a way. Because it's not, it is it's tough for everybody, isn't it? it? This is kind of a new way of of thinking, a new way of listening, a new way of speaking, and 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 so you kind of want to get through it as quickly as possible. So you're in a bit of a rush, or you start to think, oh, this isn't going anywhere. I'll move on, or do you know something like that? Because you're 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 really trying to learn, but as time goes on, you recognise that there's no rush you know the holy spirit will reveal in time and you just literally have to i know you know literally go with the flow of the conversation let it go back and forth let it let it go off track a little bit but trust the holy spirit that you'll bring it back on track although you have to be careful about that because you can get really distracted at times and then you realize afterwards that you missed a really important point you can get too involved uh, you can talk about your t- yourself too much if you, you know, it's, it's great to give a bit of your own testimony if it fits in with what they're saying. But you can, sometimes you realise, oh, I've been talking about myself the whole time <laughs> instead of listening to the other person. And so the more experienced you are, the more relaxed you become. And you're really happy just to let people talk. You can enjoy it. The silence is really important. You can recognize when someone is saying something that is kind of revelatory to themselves <laughs> and that they're exploring things that they haven't explored before. And, and it's all, you know, it becomes a great adventure because every interaction is an unknown. And I think in the beginning, that's a worry or that's a concern because we don't like unknown situations. We don't like the unexpected or the, you know, we like to know, we like the order, don't we? We like to know where we're going and how it's going to work out and all this. But every, every conversation is potentially an unknown. There's an unknown factor about where it's going to go, what reaction you're going to get, you know, whether they're, you know, so as you get more experience, you come to enjoy all that and you just really enjoy this deep human engagement. And you realize that, if we ever stop doing that, we're going to stop learning how to love each other. Maybe that's a good point for us to each take away from this is just giving ourselves the space and the time to have these conversations and allow kind of the natural flow to happen. And I'm not trying to force anything. I'm not trying to rush it. Yeah. Uh, but taking time to listen, to really engage with the person and then to engage and to listen to the Holy Spirit and, to, and then to bring him into it. Michelle, thanks so much. Appreciate this. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. It's been fun. We are delighted that you joined us for the Encounters podcast. We rely on the generosity of listeners like you to be able to continue to offer this podcast and much more. But we need your assistance. Please click on the donate link in the show notes to see how you can become a monthly patron. Even $10 a month makes a big difference for us. Thank you so much.